God's ideal for marriage is harmony, unity, and intimacy. So please take out the sermon notes provided for you today. Look at Philippians 2, verse 2. Paul writes, Live together in harmony and love as though you only had one mind and spirit between you. In reality, very few marriages live in harmony, unity, and intimacy. If the truth were known, most people, if they were asked, they would say, I feel cheated in my marriage. I feel disappointed. It's not all that I expected it to be. Well, what happened? The answer is, good marriages just don't happen. I don't care who you marry, good marriages just don't happen. They are intentional. They take time. They take commitment. And most of all, they take effort. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 3. Paul writes, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Circle the word effort in that verse. Today we want to talk about five secrets to a satisfying marriage. And I want each of you to evaluate yourself on these five areas of marriage. Five keys to a satisfying marriage. Most of us, we have an annual performance review, say, in our work. Or when you do your taxes, you review your finances. Some of you get an annual physical checkup. Today, I want to do a checkup on your marriage. So evaluate yourself along these five things. Number one in your notes, communication. Communication. Look at Proverbs 13, verse 17, where Solomon says, Reliable communication permits progress. Circle the word progress. If you want to make progress in your marriage, you must talk. You must communicate. So in your notes, 85% of all marriage problems come down to poor communication. It isn't any wonder. In Newsweek magazine, a survey, the statistics were released that said when the average couple, they talk one-on-one -on -one alone four minutes per day. The average couple also in your notes spends 47 hours per week in front of the television. It's no wonder that we do not communicate, because we do not talk with each other. Communication is a skill that you must learn. It's learned through practice. Now, concerning communication, you must know men and women have different communication needs. A little girl, when she is born, studies show, develops linguistic skills much faster and is much more proficient than little boys. That becomes a lifelong talent. The fact is that women do talk more than men. The average man talks about 20,000 words a day. The average woman talks about 30,000 words a day. No comment. Here's what happens. When the man comes home from work, he is all used up except for about 50 words. He sort of grunts his way through the evening. But the wife, because she has a much bigger storage, has 10 grand to expand, she wants dying to talk. And that can cause frustration in marriages. So you must learn to communicate. Evaluate yourself on the first secret. 
to satisfying marriages, communication. One to ten, it says that communication in our marriage is at a minimal level, then give yourself a one. Okay, sometimes we're on the same wavelength, give yourself a four. And you say, we plan daily to talk together, we schedule time to talk one-on-one. -on -one. Then give yourself a 10. That's pretty good, but it's pretty rare. Number two in your notes, consideration. Consideration, look at Ephesians 4, verse 2. Show your love by being helpful to each other. Consideration simply means paying attention to what they say. It means showing common courtesies. It means treating people with respect. Consideration means that you go out and bring in the groceries, even if it's the fourth quarter. Consideration means that you wait until she has both legs in the car before you pull out the driveway. It is amazing how quickly consideration vanishes once we get married. Oh, we are very considerate when we're dating. In fact, I recently read about five stages of a marriage cold. First year, it goes like this. Darling, I'm worried about that sniffle you had. I've called the paramedics to rush you to Mercy Hospital for a checkup. I know that you don't like hospital food, so I'm bringing in meals from Bob Evans. Second year, sweetheart, I don't like the sound of that cough. I've arranged for Dr. Johnson to make a house call. Let me tuck you in bed. Third year, you look like you have a fever. Why don't you drive yourself down to the clinic and get some medicine? I'll watch the kids. Fourth year of a marriage call. Look, be sensible after you've fed and bathed the kids, washed the dishes, you really ought to get to bed. Fifth year, for Pete's sake, would you stop coughing? I can't hear the television. Would you mind going into another room while this show is on? I thought you sound like a barking dog. Reminds me of the guy who said when I got married, my wife brought me my slippers, and when I came home and the dog barked, now it's reversed. Two lovers walking down the street. She trips. He murmurs, careful, sweetie. Now married, they walk down that same street. She trips, he says, pick up your feet. Typical way that we lose consideration for each other. In James 3, the Bible says the consideration is a mark of wisdom. That means when I'm inconsiderate to my mate, I'm stupid. The wise thing, the Bible says, then, is to be considered in your, to your husband, be considered to your wife. Evaluate yourself on this one, then. You say, I'm considerate when I'm in a good mood. I'll give you level one. And you say, I'll help my mate when they ask me. Give yourself a five. If you say, I look for ways to lighten my mate's load, then give yourself a ten. And you know it's number three. Good marriages take compromise. Takes compromise. That's the real mark of love. Look at 1 Corinthians 13.3. Love does not demand its own way. You see, the unloving thing to do is to try to change your mate. The loving thing is not to demand your own ways. Most people at the altar, when they're getting married, they're already thinking, while they're actually saying, I do, 
In their minds, they're saying, I'll redo. I'll remake them. Having been a pastor at many, many weddings, I know that there is a progression in the marriage ceremony. First, you walk down that aisle. Then you come to the altar in front. Then you see your husband-to-be. So it's the aisle, and then the altar, and the husband. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. That's the progression. It just continues on through Mount marriage. So love compromises. Love does not demand its own way. Let me give you three facts of life. On the back of your notes, number one, you will have conflicts in marriage. You will. Every marriage has conflict. Isn't that true? It is. Number two, there are some issues that you never agree on. Some issues you never agree totally on. That's because you're different. That's part of the spice of life. And number three, compromise is the evidence of real love. You meet in the middle. You are flexible. You yield your rights. You give and take. You learn the art of negotiation. You learn to compromise. That's very important. You say like what? Well, I'll make a partial list for you here. Number one, the kinds of vacations that you take. Some people like to go see 102 events in 14 days. Other people like to go one place and stay put. We relax in different ways. We must compromise then. One time you take one kind of vacation, another, another kind the next year. Number two, the way your kids are raised. You have to compromise on that. Number three, the way your money is spent. You have to compromise on that. Number four, how often do you see the in-laws? I saw some elbows out there. You have to compromise. And number five, how do you spend your day off? What makes you think that you have the right to spend it any way that you want? You're in a family. You need to compromise on that one. The list could go on and on. So you evaluate yourself on this one. More marriages actually die because of inflexibility than adultery, alcoholism, and abuse combined. The fact is that we're just plain stubborn. We're rigid. We don't want to change. We want our own way. And that's why many marriages die. So evaluate yourself on this compromise, number one, from one to ten. You say, well, I'm stubborn until I get my way. Then just give yourself a one. You say, we don't talk about issues that we don't agree on and give yourself a minus one. You say we stay with an issue until together we will work out an answer. Until we compromise, give yourself an eight. And you say we both go to second mile with each other. We give in and do more than our share. Give yourself a 10. In your notes number four, good marriages then take also courtship. So you have communication, you have consideration, you have compromise, and you have courtship for satisfying marriage. Look at Proverbs 5, verse 19. Let your mate's affection fill you with all times with delight. Physical affection is vital to a satisfying marriage. I say it this way in your notes. If there was more courting in marriage, fewer marriages would be in court. There was more courting in a marriage, there would be fewer marriages in courts. And the real problem with many marriages today in your notes, what you did to win your mate's love 
you must also do again and again to keep your mate's love. So you stop courting. The fact is that husband and wives see each other at the absolute worst times of the day often. A few minutes in the morning when you're getting up, you're stressed out, you're trying to get ready for the day to go to work. Or a few minutes at the end of the day when you're tired and you're irritable and you have no more to give. You often see your mate at the worst times of the day. You must intentionally plan to court. This is a good verse from, Paul, from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9. Solomon says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. He says to enjoy life with your wife whom you love. What does that mean? In your notes also, it means that you date your mate. You date your mate. The things that you did before she was your wife, do the same. Now that she is your wife, make your relationship with your mate your priority. Become best friends. Have fun. You need to find a hobby that you enjoy doing together. Find a recreation that you both like. Find some fun things that you both enjoy. You develop your marriage. Marriages are built on shared relationships. Courting begins with that developing process. Now evaluate yourself on that courting in your marriage. On one to ten, if your courting is non-existent, you're just too busy to court, then give yourself a one. Have you noticed that the longer you get ma you're married, the more you're sharing your chores, but the less you're sharing your joys? You just don't have fun anymore. So life becomes a burden instead of a blessing. You have to work on it. If you schedule for yourself at least a weekly date, then give yourself a 10. It's intentionally planned. It's your date night. Give yourself a 10. And in your notes, number five, the most important ingredient in a successful and satisfying marriage is Christ. It takes Christ for a satisfying marriage because he gives you the power, the desire to do what the other four things are. Christ gives us love that we, when we run out of love. We read together Paul's words in Philippians 2, verse 5. Let your attitude toward each other should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. So you start thinking, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Yeah, what would Jesus do? Have the attitude of Jesus. You ask, how do I do that? In your notes, number one, I personally grow my relationship with Jesus. That's one way. If Jesus, it's through his suffering and death and resurrection, his giving of himself for us that enables us to work on our communication, enables us to be more considerate, to work through conflicts by compromising, to dedicate ourselves to weekly courting and dating of our mate. The greatest things that you can do for your husband or for your wife is grow in your relationship with Jesus, to come, become more and more like Jesus, to treat your mate like Jesus would. Secondly, number two, I dedicate my marriage to Christ. So you commit your family to Christ. You say, God, I dedicate my marriage to you. And number three, you say, I will worship weekly with my mate. And number four, I learn to pray with my mate. At meal times, maybe you pray at night, maybe you pray in the morning. Spiritual intimacy produces physical intimacy. And number five, I read the Bible with my mate. Memorize some verses together. Go over the sermon notes. 
commit myself to the Bible verses, to memory, for your guidance, and for strength. Now, Marriage and Divorce Magazine stated in a national survey, it stated that one out of every two marriages end in divorce. But when the marriage is a church ceremony, that factor alone drops to one out of every 50 marriages end in divorce. So when a couple was married in church, but then they also planned attend church regularly, and they pray together, and they read the Bible, the divorce rate drops, catch this, drops down to one out of every 1,105. One out of every 1,105. That's a Harvard University study. And what's the secret? Obviously, Christ is the center of their marriage. When both of you love Christ even more than you love each other, when the husband is focused on Christ, the wife is focused on Christ, it will bring you together and bonds your marriage. So evaluate the place that Christ has in your marriage. If Christ has really no place in your marriage, then give yourself a zero. If you attend church together and we talk about the message, we give, give yourself a six. But if you pray together, you read the Bible together, give yourself a 10. That's pretty rare. These are the five secrets of a satisfying marriage. If you are single, the same five keys refer to any personal relationship that you have. See, good marriages, they just don't happen. It takes communication, consideration, compromise, courtship, and Christ. Amen.